Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this guy back. He's an FBI whistleblower. His name is Kyle Serafin. We had him on recently, and uh, we had to have you back on, Kyle, because I had our friend Tracy Beans on yesterday, who dropped a lot of information on me, and uh, we, we had to get you on to, to sort of fill in the blanks, if you don't mind. First of all, how are you? Good to see you again. It's good to see you, Joe, and I love some Tracy Beans. She's a wonderful person, so I'm glad you're having her on, too. Well, she's unafraid, and uh, she's one of the journalists that says, I don't have to get in line, I don't have to agree with what the government says, and I'm still going to be able to have a job, and people will get real information from me. So the real information, I want to I want to dial all this back, because when we first spoke, we set the scene. I want to do that if, uh, again if we can. You're still, right now, an FBI employee, right? Mm, nominally. I'm not being paid. I haven't been paid in probably 255, coming up on 260 days. And um, so they consider me an employee, but no reasonable person considers themselves working at a job that took away all your authority, took away your, you know, your, your, uh, your ability to come into the building. And then I've actually had my security clearance permanently terminated at this point. So, you know, we argue constructive discharge. So I, I say former FBI agent, but, uh, you know, the, the bureau would argue with me probably. What was your sin? You dared tell the truth about something you felt was outside the lines when it came to what the FBI's job is supposed to be? It's funny because it's not obvious. Uh, I was uh, accused of being unprofessional to a police officer in the desert in New Mexico, which people can go to my Rumble channel and see the body cam footage. I got nothing to hide on that. I feel fine about the interaction. Um, But what I would speculate is that something between being a a federal whistleblower, which happened in October of 2021, and the fact that I said no to the vaccine shots in uh, in September of 2021, those kind of combined to put me on the the persona non gratis list. And, uh, you know, the, the, the interaction I had with the police officer was just cover for it. What I don't like, Kyle, is that we know the science never, ever backed up forcing anybody to get the vaccine. It's not even a vaccine. It's just a shot. And it's a mm-hmm. shot that, that can change your DNA. It's an mRNA shot that even the inventor, Dr. Malone, says people shouldn't be taking this shot. So now that we know that, and now that there's been law passed that, that made them tell all the military members that they got rid of, they can come back to work now, and that we never should have told you you had to get the shot. So why aren't you already vindicated on that? You should be, right? They should have contacted you and said, you know, Agent Serafin, sorry we shouldn't have said that. The science shows that we were wrong. Have they done that? No, of course not. What's even dumber about all of this is that, uh, you know, I was a a paramedic and I've been a paramedic for over a decade and I had a top secret clearance. And that doesn't mean I know a ton about medicine, but I do know that when I look at the uh, the data that everybody is getting COVID, whether they had the shot or not, and they wanted me to test for COVID every 72 hours uh, and do a nasal swab when we were running short on tests at the end of uh, 2021. And I said I wasn't going to do that because I thought it was discriminatory, both against myself and anybody else. Either everybody gets tested or nobody gets tested, but uh, you don't get to just tell the unvaccinated these sort of filthy purebloods as, as I've seen right. it done on social media that you're the only ones who have to go and do this thing. It, it was punitive. Yeah, I didn't get the shot either, and my employer didn't tell me to. I would have told him to pound sand. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the technology was there, the medicine was there, the science was there. They just tried to, to, to suppress it so we couldn't find out. We, we've always known that you can still get it and still spread it even if you had the shot. So the allegation that, that Agent Serafin or Joe Pags would somehow give it to somebody else simply because we weren't vaccinated was a lie from day one. So why do you think mm-hmm. they, they, they tried to force everybody to have it? Did they believe the false science or was it about control? I think it was about control. I think it was a uh, an ideological purge. And what they found is that the people that are willing to stand up and say no to that um, overwhelmingly were also Christian, which means that they're relatively conservative in their attitudes. And uh, those are the kind of people that are going to say no when you ask them to do something that's illegal, immoral, or unethical. And literally all of the whistleblowers that are within my little node of whistleblowers uh, within the FBI are all unvaccinated Christians. 
So it's a one to one ratio. They kind of uh, and, and they also have assigned it to uh, people who voted for Donald Trump, which is probably also accurate. So it was an easy uh, pass through to be able to determine, you know, what's the hit list that the agency has to deal with? Who are the people that we're going to have to uh, shut down? And um, and so they did. And they've been slowly purging them out, which uh, Jim Jordan's committee has, has actually used my word purge uh, when they actually wrote to Chris Ray. Kyle Serafin, it's uh, S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. Go and follow him on, on Twitter. Follow him also on Rumble. You've got a Rumble channel now that you're doing the show from, right? Yes, sir, I do. And I appreciate that. So go and follow him. What, what did you blow the whistle on? What, what did you say what, that was going wrong? And, and uh, what happened soon thereafter? Did they go right after you after that, or did they wait a bit? I took a little bit. So um, my initial uh, foray into this sort of um, experience was on October 27th. I went to Congresswoman Yvette Harrell's office and and dealt with her staff and handed over what has now uh, been kind of publicized as parents being investigated for showing up at school board meetings and protesting CRT and and gender uh, ideology and these kind of things. So I brought that uh, initially. It was was an email from the the assistant director of counterintelligence, sorry, the assistant director of counterterrorism, Carlton Peoples. And uh, and that was given by another whistleblower a little bit later on. So in November, it went public. And then, um, you know, they waited until April to pull my paycheck. I think they thought I, I want to get well, let me stop you, Kyle, yeah. because it, it, sure. it's important, the timeline. We know that Mara Garland came out after getting a letter that I guess they were asked to write saying yes. that they are investigating parents that go to these school board meetings that are bringing violence and uh, domestic terrorism. Did you whistleblow before that announcement by Merrick Garland or after? So my whistleblower allegation, when you go and you become a federal whistleblower, you actually have to allege either a violation of rule policy or federal law. And the allegation that I brought to my congresswoman's office was that it appeared that Merrick Garland committed perjury uh, because I brought it on the 27th. He testified on the 20th is my recollection. Oh, wow. Um, I got the email a couple days after that, and it's like, whoa. Uh, we're actually going to be doing this thing. He said that they weren't going to be using counterterrorism resources against parents. Um, I think they specifically phrased it as um, as Patriot Act tools, uh, but th- those are sort of a synonymous type tools. Right. So I brought that to Congress saying, look, I have a, a reasonable belief that this is the case, and it was a good faith allegation. And then, um, you know, that's that's how you become a whistleblower. You have to actually fit into that narrow purview. The uh, The federal law specifically outlines what you have to do. So I did that. And then since then, um, you know, they didn't come after me until in January. Uh, they ended up putting me on AWOL, which is a status that I wasn't aware of other than being in the military. Right. So they actually called me absent without leave for showing up to work because I didn't take a COVID test. Uh, so wow. I worked the whole day. Um, and then I was sent and, and I did it while I was on personal leave. They actually withdrew my pay and my leave. And then uh, I stepped, sat out of the office until March 4th. And when I showed back up, it was only because Joe Biden changed the rules. His administration pushed out a new rule because of the uh, State of the Union. And they wanted to be able to have people mask-free, you know, for the for that, uh, you know, little event that he does every wow. year. Uh, it's uh, Kyle Serafin. He's an FBI whistleblower. You know, the information as it comes out is, is really, really horrible. And we could do probably three hours on this. I was mm-hmm. uh, a TV news anchor when 9-11 happened. I remember when the Patriot Act was put in place. I remember when the DHS was, uh, was created. It was about stopping foreign terrorists from attacking Americans. In, in Not even your opinion, in your work, You've seen that. They're using this against Americans every day, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Joe, here's what here's what I was told. Basically, the um, you know, the definition of national security changed on September 12th of 2001. We moved from a definition that said that uh, we were going to be protecting the American Constitution and our constitutional republic. You know, that means that people might die and people do. And, and, and men and women sign up willingly to do that. Right. And uh, and I'm really proud that there are those people in this country. The problem is after September 11th, what they did is they basically 
morph the definition to say that no American will die from terrorism on U.S. soil. And and whenever you put like a zero anything mission, you might as well be like the Chinese and weld people into their houses. Right. You're talking about uh, you're not going to accept any risk at all. And so you just stay at home and sit on your toilet and, you know, order things from uh, Netflix and order things from Amazon and right. Uber Eats and don't ever step outside. So that was the big change. The way that it got to American citizens, I think this is my speculation here. So I want to be clear about it. Yeah. But um, what I what I see is that we looked at foreign terrorists. We ran out of foreign terrorists because our military is so effective overseas doing what it does and keeping the fight over there and away from us. Then they started looking at what are called HVEs or homegrown violent extremists. And that's a group of people that have a radical foreign ideology, but they're domestic. And once you start looking inside your own house for problems, they ended up at this thing that we're all familiar with now, the domestic violent extremists, the sort of domestic terrorism kick. And that's just Americans who maybe don't agree with what the government's up to and want their own freedom. So that that's the creep that I think happened. Or, or it's a father showing up at the school board meeting say, saying my daughter was, was raped by somebody pretending to be transgendered and he's dragged out by police. I mean, that right. scene in and of itself in, what was it, Loudonville or something, or Loudon County, Virginia, um, yep. watching that in and of itself told me, oh, crap, we've given up all sorts of control over the government. They now control us. Because what the guy was saying was true. The school board, uh, um, uh, the, the superintendent was lying about it. In fact, this, this kid had done it in two different places. Instead of arresting him, they moved him to a different school because they had to check off a box that they cared about trans youth. So while all that's going on, were you still in the FBI? And, and were you getting notifications? We have to, to raise our, our, I don't know, heighten our awareness of these big bad parents that are going to school board meetings? I mean, what was the directive? Was there one? Um, the directive was just that the email was going to dedicate a threat tag so they could build an intelligence profile uh, on parents. And so I, I was actually removed before I got to see any of that stuff enacted, at least the way in any meaningful way. What's wild is, is that one of the other whistleblowers in my group, who has also been permanently suspended without pay um, and has you know little children and, and all the things that would happen that you'd expect for a working father, um, he pulled that threat tag and went to Jim Jordan's office with like over a dozen of these cases. And they were investigations in the eGuardian system, which is where we get terrorist threats. So, you know, we proved that that was going on. Uh, I think it was on the individual offices and the individual agents, whether or not they were willing to, to move forward with that. But there's a lot of ideological actors inside the FBI. There's a lot of people that love the Constitution, too. Unfortunately, I think they're being outweighed both in the management sphere and in the intelligence cadre by these sort of woke activists who are going to be pushing, you know, the agenda that the regime is, is throwing down on our right now you continue to have uh friends and and uh and people that you worked with co-workers in the fbi and there are still good people as you said there and they're still yep. making sure that the information gets out to the intelligence committee to the american people uh there was uh, some sort of a policy recently where the fbi and, and tracy talked about this yesterday and i wonder if you can elaborate on this where they said yo no this this doesn't this doesn't match our standards we're not going to do this it's definitely not going to happen but you had information that in fact it was still happening and then we'll fast forward to the tweet that i just read tweeted in fact they have been forced to get rid of this what was this policy um why say that it doesn't meet their standards yet continue to use it so we got to get a little bit of background but basically uh, i had a whistleblower come to me with a document that's called an intelligence product it's a domain awareness product which is a finished analysis of a threat picture that happens out of the richmond field office and what the uh, the analyst had decided was that uh based on reading the southern poverty law center's website the atlantic and salon.com wow. that there was a a serious threat of white supremacy invading radical traditional catholics which is essentially they tried to draw a theological distinction between but i can't find it uh people who like like the Latin Mass and like a pre-Vatican II look on Catholicism. So you're talking about a smaller segment of the 70 million Catholics in this country, but uh, but but Catholics nonetheless. 
And uh, so this analyst basically went out there and said, you know, this thing is uh, is a real problem, this white supremacy. So we're going to mitigate it by doing what we call tripwires and liaison contacts. Those are overt. And then confidential contacts, confidential human source recruitment. That was the recommendation of this analyst to go in and do that. But once again, the reason it didn't meet their policy is because of the sourcing. But the reason that they withdrew the uh, the actual document was because they were embarrassed and they got caught because my people were out there exposing it. So if I didn't have those people doing that, um, this thing sticks around. I'm I, sure. I just want to just want to spell this out for those who are watching, listening. It's Kyle Serafin. He's a whistleblower uh, from the FBI uh, at Kyle Serafin over on Twitter and on other social media. Check out his channel on Rumble as well. So, so those three entities that you mentioned, Atlantic, Salon, and somebody else, uh, was it the Southern Poverty Law Center? It is, yes. Okay, those three are radical, far left-wing, anti-constitutional nutjobs. They should not Correct. be taken seriously at all. You're telling me that the FBI, the brass at the FBI who makes policy, read those three stories by those three ridiculous outlets and said, yes, those who are going to Latin masses, Latin Catholic, or Catholic masses where they're speaking Latin, they're somehow propagating white supremacy. They believed it. What? Yeah, uh, it's a little it's a little bit more narrow. So the FBI is not a monolith. I've been trying to kind of um, explain that, and it's difficult to imagine. But okay. it's just it's such a mess for the org chart. But essentially, the the Richmond field office has uh, its own autonomy for its own area, and it writes certain products about its area. So that's what this was written about. This is an intelligence analyst on the front lines that you know has a peer group uh, of people that kind of evaluate. They do peer evaluations of these sort of turn papers, which kind of how it reads. Uh, very academic sounding. It gets approved by a supervisor. That's going to be like a GS fourteen level person. So at the almost at the top of the general scale or the general schedule of uh, federal employment. And then it got uh, reviewed theoretically and then approved for dissemination, which is why it went out to the FBI. Like my whistleblower is not in Richmond. Um, gotcha. And the reason it, it it was approved by this attorney who's called the chief division counsel, and they are responsible for calling balls and strikes and what's in and out of policy for the entire you know field office. So it did get through an awful lot of checks and balances. Like I said, I think they were very embarrassed when headquarters found out about it. So embarrassed, in fact, that there was an email today about the sort of pro tips. This is from the unit chief at headquarters who is supposed to review all products like this that go out or uh, is uh, responsible for the unit that puts them out. And it just said, you know, make sure your sourcing is not garbage uh, because obviously this was garbage. Uh, absolutely. And, and I would also say it was garbage to suggest that parents can't can't question people at a school board meeting. It's Kyle Serafin. Go follow him everywhere. So what happens next for you? Have you heard from Jim Jordan? Have you talked to his office? Will you be called to testify in front of that committee? Shouldn't you get your back pay and reinstated if you want to be? Well, what happens next for you? Um, I agree with all the uh, the suggestions you had. Yeah, I have not heard right. from Jim Jordan. I, I heard him talk on your show. I heard him mention my name, uh, yeah. and he uh, he did say that we'd be t- testifying. I haven't heard anything about it, so we'll see. I'm um, I understand that things work slowly. I, I did work in the federal government, so I have a little bit of appreciation for that. I'm not a patient person by nature, so it's not the easiest thing. No, no, I, I, and, I, and you shouldn't be. And by the way, you've been very patient in in not getting paid for almost a year and everything else. But I, mm-hmm. have you spoken with his staff? Have you? Are you in contact with anybody there? Well, uh, the uh, the Catholic document, uh, in, we actually went directly to Jordan's people again. Okay. So I've, I've dealt with their staff. I basically got an acknowledgement. Thanks for sending this, Kyle. And then I, I gave them an update on it. And they said, thank you, you know, acknowledged. Um, but these are um, staff members. They're, they're obviously not. I, and the last time they wanted to check in with me before the holidays, they said, you know, maybe we should have a phone call. And I said, why don't you just have the congressman call me anytime he wants and right. I'll make time for it. You have my phone number. I'll set aside as much time as he likes or as little. And, uh, and I'm very easy to speak to. So let's just do that. And uh, and they haven't called me since then. So we'll we'll see. Like I said, I, I understand that things on Capitol Hill are not things in the rest of America, but uh, maybe they should be. Maybe we'd get a little bit better off. What's the best result for you? Do you want your job back? Or are you not going to stay independent and just keep on exposing whatever you can? What, what's what's the next step for you? 
you know, I, I wanted to be a quiet uh, face in the world. I, I didn't have social media on purpose. I'm 41 years old and there was no reason for me to be a public figure in any way. And I didn't choose this. So uh, uh, I don't think I can close that door now that I've walked through it. Right. I don't think it makes a difference. Uh, I don't want to go back and work for the FBI. I mean, the, the reason that betrayal hurts is because it feels like something you trusted stabbed you in the back, someone right. or something. And that's what that feels like. I'll take my back pay. I think that uh, the work that we've done as whistleblowers has earned it for the American people. I don't, I don't feel bad about asking for that. Totally. And um, the fact that they've kind of told me that I can't go get another job without their permission. Uh, and, I, and I'm not waiting on them, but I'm also not going to give up this fight. You know, I, I walked into it eyes open. My spouse is an amazing uh, human being. And my wife just said, you know, we, we don't walk away from this no matter what. And it's going to be very uncomfortable. And it has been. So, uh, you know, it, like I said, you can't unclose the door once you've walked through it. And, and I'm going to see what happens next. I'm, I'm kind of in God's hands right now. And yeah. <laughs> it's funny that they decided to go after my church because <laughs> well, there you it, go. Exactly. got a lot of people. It, yeah, exactly right. But, uh, all right. It's Kyle Serafin. Kyle, may, maybe 20 seconds left. Do you mm -hmm. think in your heart of hearts that we can clean up the DOJ and take politics out of it? Um, I think it'd be really difficult to see it. I'd love to see them shut it down and open things up the way that it needs. At, at the very minimum, we need to have a, uh, the domestic intelligence mission needs to be pulled from the FBI and we need to have an independent third party, uh, group, a watchdog group that can actually do prosecution because the, the office of, Ge of inspector general cannot. That makes a lot of sense to me. It's Kyle Serafin. Go and follow him everywhere. Uh, also, check out his podcast over on Rumble. Come back anytime. I really appreciate the information that you're exposing for us. They work for us, yet they act That's like right. they don't, which is very strange. Kyle, thank you. Thanks, Joe. I do uh, appreciate it. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. Joe Pags. I appreciate Kyle Serafin coming on. I'll post that interview later on tonight. You can check out all my interviews, all my monologues, even though it be not on the air stuff, like I did with Sarah Carter yesterday, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you can go to JoePags.com, J-O-E-P-A-G-S dot C-O-M. Click on the word watch. The word watch by itself. Not watch now, just watch. Takes you right to Rumble. See all the videos there. Go check them out. Spread them around. Put them on your socials. Share it with your friends. The one that we did on, uh, on Good Guys versus Bad Guys with Guns. That did very well the other day. So go and check it out. Again, JoePags.com. Click on watch. Much more to come. Keep it here. Adele Nazarian next hour. Stay here. You're listening to Joe Pags.